0: And so thank you again for tuning in. May God bless you. May he keep you. May he strengthen you. And may he cause your area of influence to increase. Today we're going to share about King David. And the title of today's message is Shepherd Boy to King. How do we move from being a shepherd boy to a king. I want you to just get that concept in your head. A shepherd boy. One minute you're a shepherd boy, the next minute you're a king. And you might be sitting there and you're thinking, man, this doesn't, this doesn't interest me. This isn't my area. I'm never going to be a king. God's not going to call everybody king. And I'm going to say to you, I absolutely agree, except every single one of us is caused is called to increase our area of influence. And I don't know about you, but a king is fairly influential. And I believe that God has called the church to move from being small to being tall. He has called you at home to becoming more than just what you already are. I believe that if we could sit down with David, King David, and talk to him, we would ask him some questions and we would hear him say, God wants to take a whole heap of nobodies and make them a somebody. And so this morning we're going to look at, and we're going to ask, the question. We're going to explore what did King David do to move from being a shepherd boy to the king of all Israel, undisputedly one of the most popular kings that Israel has ever had. How did David do it? And you might be sitting there, you're thinking, oh, God did it for him. We're going to unpack that. We're going to dispel some myths. We're going to discuss it. We're going to have a little bit of fun this morning. And uh, I want you, you might be sitting there thinking, man, I don't know whether this is for me. Listen, if you want to draw closer to God, this is for you. If you're a business leader and you think, I just, I feel like I'm stuck. I feel like I've hit a plateau. This message is for you. If you're a marriage and you want to increase your influence in your marriage and in your family, this message is for you. If you feel like you're a nobody and that you're always rejected and you're always left out, this message is also for you. This message is for everybody. Why? Because the scriptures were given to everybody. Everybody, and so this morning, would you join me with a little bit of fun? Would you just take a minute, breathe in, breathe out, settle your spirit, get yourself ready? Might be a different message, but I want you to imagine would you join me on a journey this morning? Yeah. Would you imagine that you're sitting in your favorite place maybe it's by the beach, maybe it's in a park, and you're sitting there with your scriptures open, reading through the Bible and you're reading all about David and then suddenly King David appears beside you. And as he's sitting there beside you, right beside you, I want you to turn, just check, make sure he's not there. It's just fun. Let's imagine for a moment, King David is there and and you're going to turn to him and you're going to say to him, David, how did you ever go from being a shepherd to a king? David, is there anything you could tell me today that would help me on my journey? I believe David's going to look at you and he's going to talk to you. Maybe you read the Bible like this all the time. Maybe for you, this is new. I'm going to encourage you to practice reading the Bible like this and then imagine yourself having conversations with the scriptures through this person. So imagine you've asked David, David, how did you move from being a shepherd boy to a king? And David begins to share with you and perhaps you're sitting there and as he begins to share he says things like you know it wasn't always like this there was a time when I was disregarded by my family and disregarded by my friends I knew that God had something bigger for me I could feel it in my spirit and I would sit out there and I would watch the sheep at night and I would sing songs and praise to God I would look at the stars and know that God is real but I always felt like I was rejected by people and then one day, and I'm going to share this with you. You can read it in your scriptures. In, then one day in 1 Samuel 16, one day in First Samuel 16, the prophet came to town. We're not going to put the scripture up just yet. We're going to get to that. The prophet came to town. The prophet Samuel, arguably one of Israel's most famous prophets, came to town and he came to my father, Jesse. And as he came to Jesse, he said, Jesse, I want you to gather your sons. We're going to have a feast Tonight, And so Jesse gathered in, my dad gathered in all his children and they sat around the table and they had a feast. And at the end of the dinner, Samuel the prophet got up and he went to anoint one of Jesse's children, one of my brothers, to be the king. And he looked across and he saw Eliab. He's my oldest brother. Eliab is the biggest of us. He is the best looking of us. And, and, and honestly, it looks like this guy won the genetic lotto. And he looked across at Eliab and he said to himself, surely this is the Lord's anointed before me. But I love the story because as it was recounted to me, God said to him, don't look on the outward appearance. For God doesn't look at the outward appearance, but he looks at the heart. And so, so Samuel, the great prophet, looked at the next brother and the next and the next. And after he would looked at all my brothers, he couldn't find someone to anoint. And he turned to my dad and he said, is there anybody else? You know, I was so left out. I'd been left out in the field with the sheep. They didn't even invite me in. They didn't even want me at the table. And Samuel said, we can't do anything else until I've anointed him. And so I I went into the house and, and, and then Samuel took, in verse 13, Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed me in the midst of my brother's. Can you imagine for a minute if you heard that story? You were standing there and you heard that story from David the king. You would be thinking, man, this was how you move from being a shepherd boy to a king. If you just get the anointing of God on your life, you are going to go from being a shepherd boy to a king. Can you imagine the conversation? I want you to think about it because sometimes in church world, we think, you know, all I need is more prayer. All I need is more anointing. All I need is somebody famous to put their hand on me and bam, I'm going to get the anointing I need to be the person God's called me to be. Could you imagine talking to David and you'd say to David, what happened from there, David? Is this where your life changed? Is this where you supernaturally became the king of Israel? And you know what? David would look at you, wouldn't he? And he'd say, actually, not much changed. Actually, at this point, nothing changed. I just continued to feed my dad's sheep. My brothers continued to diss me. In fact, the story would go on. I want you to keep turning with me on this. Because sometimes in church, sometimes in business, we think if I just get my name on the door, I'm going to expand my influence, and it's just not true. It doesn't matter who anoints you. It doesn't matter who appoints you. It doesn't automatically guarantee your success. And so we've got to move to the next level. And here's the next level. A little bit later on, David explains the story to you. He says, I was outside one day and I was feeding my sheep. And my dad called me in. See, the Israelites and my brothers had gone to fight the Philistines. And my dad called me in and he said, David, I want you to go to the front line of the battle. And I want you to take the cheese and the bread. You can find this story in 1 Samuel chapter 17. He says, I want you to take the cheese and the bread to your brothers and then bring back a report of how things are going on the battlefront. And David says, I went to the battle. I had never seen anything like it. As I stood and I looked at the vast army of Israel spread out across the hill. And I looked at the valley and then I looked at the even bigger army of the Philistines on the opposite side. I remember being absolutely in awe of how big these armies were and how difficult it would be to defeat the Philistine army. But then I saw something that made every man shake. A man who was big, not just big, he was massive this guy was called Goliath and David's telling you he says this guy's called Goliath and he strides out into the valley and he strides out onto the field and he begins to blaspheme the name of God and he begins to tell all the Israelites how useless God is and how useless they are and what he will do to them and how if he fights somebody and wins that the whole Israelite army will have to serve the Philistines and I remember there was something in me that made me so angry it made me rise up and I started talking about you know what what will what will the king do For the man who defeats this Goliath guy, suddenly I found myself standing in front of Saul. And there I was, dragged before Saul. And Saul took one look at me and he said, you're just a young boy. You're a ruddy young man. How can you possibly defeat this giant of a man who has been battling since his youth? And I stood and I looked straight at Saul and I said to him, Saul, I've been tending my father's sheep. And when a bear came to the lambs and took a lamb, I chased after the bear, grabbed it, killed it and rescued the lamb. And later a lion came and grabbed hold of a lamb and I chased after a lion and I took it and I killed it and I rescued the lamb. And I said to him, this Goliath will be no different to a bear or a lion. I remember Saul was a little shocked. He gave me his armor. He put it on me and he said, you know, go and battle him. And I'm, I'm walking around in this armor and I just realized there was nothing I could do. It's a great point to realize when you're talking to David that you can't wear somebody else's armor. You can't walk in somebody else's strength or somebody else's anointing. You've got to have your own. And David goes on with the story. He says, I, I took the armor off. I said, Saul, I can't fight in this armor. I'm going to fight with what I already know is mine and what I'm good at. And I went down to the babbling brook and I took out five smooth stones and I put them in my shepherd's bag. And I ran out onto the field to fight this giant called Goliath. And Goliath was stood there and he said, you're coming to me. I'm going to give your flesh for the birds of the air to eat. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to destroy you. And he's coming out with all these things and and we're going to pick it up. And then I said in, in verse 45, I, David, said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin. But then he goes on and he says, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. And I took my little stone and I put it in the sling and I swung it around and I let it go and it smacked Goliath right in the head. And he dropped down onto the ground. He dropped like a school bag at the end of term. I was so excited to see him drop and I ran over. I took his big sword and I cut his head off. You know, right there we're stopped, aren't we? Right there we think, thinking, man, this must be the place. This must be the place How a shepherd goes from being the shepherd to the king. What you've got to do is have a great victory in your life. What you've got to do is do something really impressive for everybody to notice. I want you to take this moment. You're having a conversation with David. I really hope you guys are keeping up with me here. Because first of all, he's been anointed and nothing changed. And we come to the second part of the story and it's there, right there in scene two, flashingly vivid before your eyes in full color of Goliath's head in his hand and a sword in the other hand. And you think, oh man, this must be where, this is where he gets to become the king. And it doesn't happen. I want you to think for a minute how many times Do you think if I just get the new car, then I'll have more influence? If I just build a big enough business, then I'll have more influence? If I just do something big, something spectacular, so everybody will notice me, I will surely have more influence. Can you relate to that? Can you see how when we're having a discussion with David, he begins to just pull apart, pull apart some of the thoughts that we have on how we can expand our influence? The first point he pulls apart is just because you get prayed over, just because the anointing of God is on your life, doesn't necessarily mean that you will have a major influence. The second point David pulls apart is just because you kill a giant, just because everyone's watching you, just because they all know your name, doesn't actually mean you're going to have more influence. I want you to think about that this morning. Because one of the things these do is we read the scriptures and we apply it to our life and we begin to see that some of the lies we've told ourselves on how to be more influential, how to have a greater impact are just lies. The story is going to continue. Can you imagine? Just take me, you look at David and you say to David, surely this is where, and David looks at you and he says, no. Now he says, the story goes on. David simply says, you know what? The story goes on. Not only did I kill Goliath, but I got to marry the king's daughter. And you're like, wow, you got to marry the king's daughter? He said, yes, but I had to pay a price, a dowry for the king's daughter. And you're like, what did you pay? Gold, silver, sheep? He says, no, no, this is a little awkward. I had to go and kill a 100 Philistines, get their foreskins and give them to Saul, which is a really weird gift, let's be honest. But he takes these 100 foreskins, hopefully in a clean bag, and he puts them down. He gives them to Saul and Saul gives him his daughter. Now i take this. So here's David anointed as king by the greatest prophet to ever live in their day. Here's David who has slain Goliath, the biggest giant who has ever been slain in their day. Here's David who has single-handedly killed a thousand Philistines and given their foreskins to the king. Nobody else has done that in their day. Here's David who is now married to the king's very own daughter. And you're thinking, surely, surely by now, this gives you the influence. This is how a shepherd boy became a king. This is how you do it. David looks at you and he says, no, not really. You're like, wasn't life rosy? Wasn't life great? You know, when you've done all that, isn't life just fantastic? And David looks at you and he says, no. No, actually, things got worse. Actually, people started singing songs about me. Everybody knew my name. They started singing songs that said, Saul has killed his hundreds, but I have killed my thousands. And that really annoyed Saul. And so Saul got really jealous. Saul got really envious of me. In fact, things got so bad one night, Saul grabbed his spear and tried to pin me to the wall by throwing a spear at me. And you're like, what did you do? He says, I ran away. He says, I took for the hills he said what else was I going to do? Said, can you just take a minute and you think, thinking man he's anointed and the anointing didn't give him the kingship and he's killed Goliath and it didn't give him the kingship and he's got people and friends in high influential places and it didn't give him the kingship and he's done great exploits and people know his name and he's still not the king I'm going to say to you this morning David's still got a major lesson to learn And I want to pick this story up and we we start to talk to David a little bit more. We're talking to David and we're going to jump over a few verses to 1 Samuel chapter 22. And in 1 Samuel chapter 22, you you begin to unpack a little bit. You're talking to David and he says, so David, what did you do? He said, I went to a cave. Like that doesn't sound like you're going to be a king. He says, no, 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 you don't understand. See, in the cave, something significant happened. While I was hiding in a cave, when I was in a place of obscurity, when I realized that everything that I'd done before wasn't working. I want you to take that minute. Everything that had gone on before, everything I'd done wasn't working. And he found himself in a cave, in a place of obscurity. the Bible says in 1st Samuel chapter 22 verse 2 and everyone and everyone who is in distress everyone who is in debt everyone who is was disconnected gathered to him everyone who is in distress everyone who is in debt everyone who is disconnected and discontented gathered to him so he became the captain over them And there were about 400 men with him. Pause for a minute. What's David learning in this place? And here's, in my conversation, this is how it plays out with me. Maybe you have a different conversation with David. Maybe David unpacks a whole heap more about being friends with Jonathan. Maybe he unpacks how he didn't go and kill Nabal's wife. I don't know what he says to you, but to me, He says to me, Phil, do you know what I learned in this place? He said, I learned what makes the heartbeat of God really tick. He said, all my life, all my life I'd been a loner. All my life I'd done things in my own strength. All my life I'd depended on me. I'd been rejected by my family. I depended on me. When the bear came and the lion came, I depended on me. When I went out to fight Goliath, sure, I depended on God, but let's be honest, I was depending on me. But right here in the cave, Phil, I learned something so special. He said, I learned what makes the heart of God tick. Others. It was here when God brought the broken and the disconnected and the discontented and those who were in debt and those who were poor and those who were struggling and those who were suffering, and he brought them to me, it was here that I began to grow. And I want to say to you this morning, just because we're following along, if what you're doing isn't working, if your area of influence isn't expanding, can I suggest perhaps it's because you haven't started to consider others. And if you find yourself in a cave, and you find yourself in a lonely place, you find yourself where you feel like your influence is getting smaller and smaller, maybe it's time to start to consider others. In fact, maybe it's time to start to pray, God, would you bring people across my path who are broken and hurting and let me minister to them? Would you let me love them? Would you let me protect them? Would you let me, are you following me this morning? Church, I think this is one of the greatest life lessons we can possibly learn. Other people matter. And when we forget that, we lose everything. It was here in the cave that David began to recognize that other people matter. In fact, he goes on a little bit more. Are you ready? He says to me, Phil, I built such a great army. I built such a, a great system. We had commanders. We, we had people who were under me who were over other people. We, we started to really push this out. Everybody matters and people came. And more people that we cared for, the more people came. And the more people we loved, the more people came. There's a verse, it's found in 2 Samuel chapter 28, verse 8. And it starts off, I love the heading of it. It says, "These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had." You know, when you begin to care for other people, their hearts begin to be knit with yours. When you start to love people, their hearts begin to knit with yours. If you're in a business, start loving other people. Start loving your customers. Start loving your clients. Start loving people. If you're a marriage and you want your marriage to continue to succeed, can I suggest you start loving your spouse and loving your kids more and more. If you're wherever you are, loving other people will always cause your influence to grow. And I want to push this because it's not just about praying to get more anointing. God, if you just anointed me more, then everything would work out well. That's not true. God, it's not just about having the biggest and the best and fighting things and letting people know how strong and tough you are. Because if that was the case, David would already be king. It's about coming to a point where other people matter. It's in this place that David and his men fight in the patch of Bali and protect the town. It's in this place that David begins to learn the greatest lesson he will ever learn. Other people matter. Now, that's my message. I want you to take this a little further. When Jesus came to earth, the son of the living God, God in the flesh, Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. When Jesus came to earth as God in the flesh, And he was baptized in the River Jordan. And as he rose, his father spoke over him, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. When he came to earth and he raised up, do you know one of the first things he did, one of the things that he made his primary purpose was to begin to go out and gather others. Jesus didn't depend on himself for his influence to expand. He deliberately called disciples and entrusted them with the ministry. Can, can you see this this morning, church? I want you to get that because so many of us have been brought up watching Superman and we've been brought up watching the Hulk and we've been brought up with these kind of concepts that we can do everything on our own. And every time I read through the scriptures, there was only one person that I'm aware of that was really cool on his own, Samson. And things didn't really work out for him that well. Everywhere else in the scriptures, we see people joining together to advance the kingdom. We see David anointed, defeating Goliath, but until he has other people gathered to him, the kingdom doesn't advance. He doesn't become the king of Israel. I wonder how often we see that transpiring in our own lives. This morning, as I'm finishing off. I want to invite you to consider your walk right now. I want you to think about where you're at. Have you partnered with what God wants you to do? Have you started to consider others? This morning, church, I believe God's inviting us to a whole new level. I want you to think about the church in a new way. And we're finishing off our series of Why Church? Why Church? And I'm going to finish with this because other people matter. Let me say, other other people matter. Other people matter. You matter to God, and then other people matter. You realize that you're somebody significant and valued to God because he says you are, and then other people matter. You minister out of a place of fullness because other people matter. This morning, would you take a minute? I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I'm wondering if you would take a minute. And recognize that you have been invited to a table. And it's not just you and Jesus. It is and it isn't. It's about you and other people. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We hope you enjoyed the service. We are praying for you and we will see you next week.